Stand with me as you turn and everybody else leaves, all right? And uh, Psalms chapter 61 and verse 1, Psalms chapter 61. And just want to preach tonight. Uh, the message is titled, uh, Between Prayer and Praise, Between Prayer and Praise, out of Psalms chapter 61. Psalms chapter 61. I'd like to read this passage of scripture. It's only eight verses allowed together, if you would. This is, this is the hymnal of Israel when you turn to the book of Psalms. And this psalm written by David, and, and they would often sing, I wish I had the tune that they sang some of these two. But let's read it together, if you would. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. Lord, we love you and we, we thank you so much for the privilege to gather in your house together to praise you as we have through the music that has been sung and the opportunity to sing as a congregation, the choir, the special tonight, and to lift you up. I pray that you'd meet with us as we look at this passage of Scripture. Lord, remind us of what we have in our relationship with you. Lord, I love you, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Psalm 61, a psalm of David. Uh, you know, as you look at the kind of the, t- the setting of this psalm, it was more than likely somewhere after the rebellion of Absalom. After Absalom had been defeated... And David had yet to return to Jerusalem. So the victory's won, Absalom is gone, David's still away from Jerusalem, and this psalm is is penned. This psalm begins with a a cry or a prayer. He says, hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. And it finishes with praise. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. He begins in prayer and he, he finishes with praise, but he's in one of those Hard moments of life and God gives him a psalm, a hymn to sing and a song to sing and a prayer to pray. And uh, you kind of see what God does between prayer and praise, the opportunity for God to work in your heart. As you look at the psalm, you've got to grab hold of the setting. David is probably at one of the most difficult times of his life, not only as a king, and, but probably a personal struggle in his life. Uh, after the battle, this was after Absalom had fallen, and you know the setting there. It was years earlier that David had made a very foolish decision. At a time when kings went forth to battle, David stayed home. And he stayed, ho- he stayed home from the battle and sent Joab on ahead of him. And as he stayed, he went under the roof of his house and he looked down and saw Bathsheba, another man's wife, Uriah's wife, uh, bathing. And he called her to the house and they committed adultery. David tried to cover it up and hide it and Bathsheba came to, became with child and David tried to cover it up and bring Uriah home. But Uriah was an honorable man. He wasn't going home while his brethren were at war. And so David conspired with Joab and had Uriah killed in battle. And he set him to the heat of the battle and then withdrew the troops from around him and Uriah died. David tried to cover it, but, but God had taken notice, as you know. And the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to confront him and called and said, Thou art the man. David faced a consequence for that, that incredible sin. And the first one was that his child that Bathsheba had, was going to bear would soon die thereafter. That she, he lost that child. 
But God also told him another thing, that even though he forgave him, he said the sword would never leave his home. The sword would never leave his home. And David would bear the results of that for quite some time. One of those consequences would come later when, uh, Am- or when Amnon would, would take his sister in a, in a horrible manner. And David would not deal with the sin in the home. And Absalom, angry, took matters into his own hand and killed his brother. Absalom would then flee for his life, and he would flee for his life, and finally after the flight, after a while, David was continually mourning for a son that was gone, and Joab would work some circumstances out and get Absalom back. And, and, and when, upon Absalom's return, he would begin to steal the hearts of the people. He positioned him in the gate as people would come in, and he would essentially say, oh, I wish the king would hear you, but he won't. If I were king, I would hear you out. And he stole the hearts of the people. As he stole the hearts of the people, he brought up a rebellion against David, and David had to flee from Jerusalem for his life. He fled for his life, and he fled away looking like the kingdom was being taken and lost from him. Of course, David was God's anointed, not Absalom. And God gave a victory to David. In it, David had asked, he had given orders to his soldiers, spare Absalom's life when you find him. Absalom, however, in his pride, and he went went through the woods, got caught up, his hair hanging from a tree. Joab came upon him and ignored the command of David and took some darts and threw them through the heart of Absalom. And Absalom died hanging from a tree there after losing a great battle. That's the setting here. The victory's won. David's gained a great victory, if you will, and if you will, the kingdom is being restored to him, but... In the midst of the victory, there's incredible loss. Picture it for a moment. The kingdom nearly gone, even unsure that even though the rebellion had put down, would people still receive him? The son that he had loved, dead, knowing that in a lot of ways it resulted his own failures and his own sin that had brought this into his home. Victory on one hand, personal defeat on the other. A heart that is broken, A kingdom nearly lost and his son certainly gone, his home broken. And here he is, he begins to pray. He begins to pray to God. At the beginning he is in prayer, but by the end of it and throughout you see him praising God. Praising God. And you see God do an incredible work in his life. And I think, you know, of just the importance of this passage of scripture, those moments when we put ourselves between those places of prayer and praise. Whether it's a matter that we're facing struggles of a circumstantial nature beyond our control, whether the result of what we know to be our own sin and the consequences thereof, or whether it's just difficulties that God has led into our life. Here's a man that knew those, and God gave us this psalm for moments like that. I want you to notice here we see between prayer and praise, this time with the Lord. It was David who would say in another psalm, Matter of fact, in Psalm 63, verse 1, he said, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. David knew what it was the importance of running to the Lord and seeking out the Lord. And here we see it. Once again, David follows his habit and he runs to the Lord. He seeks out God and seeks his face in the middle of his heartache. And we, we see a few things here. Between prayer and praise, we see the answer to an overwhelmed heart. Verses 1 and 2 says, Hear my cry, O God, attended to my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock 
that is higher than I. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David had a heart that was overwhelmed. I think of what he first says, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. How far he must have felt from being where he was supposed to be. I I wonder as he looked back at the consequences of his sin and how it had wreaked havoc in his personal life and in his nation that he felt far from his God, far from him. Have you ever felt far from God? Maybe it's due to personal choice. Maybe it's just the circumstances of life. I think sometimes God goes quiet, quiet, so we grow closer. But he felt far from God. He said to God that was higher than I. Picture a man who felt distance between the Lord, but a depth, sinking in the depths of what he was in. That even the victory felt like a loss. Ever been in a place where even a victory feels like a loss? Even as he won a victory over his enemy, he lost his son. That even that victory in Israel felt like a loss to him. His heart was broken. He was overwhelmed, he said in the scripture. And he said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And yet, in the middle of his prayer and his praise, he was reminded of a God who was higher than he was. Who was above the circumstance and always present. Above the circumstance and always present. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I'll tell you something. There is a place in prayer and praise that brings you near to a God who is higher than we are, who is over the circumstance, in the circumstance, and always at work. Here he goes to the Lord in prayer, and he praises God, and in that place of prayer and praise, as he's facing extreme difficulty and overwhelmed with the circumstances of life, it's hard sometimes to picture David overwhelmed, isn't it? I asked my wife in the kids' choir what, what, she's, what the lesson is on tonight. They always have a lesson as well as music, and it's on David and Goliath part two. I asked her, what are you, is, does this week, does Goliath die? All right. And she said, no, no, it's, it's, David, it's Goliath's son. Goliath had another son who was, who was, or Goliath had a brother, I believe, or that had six, six fingers and six toes and was a giant as well. And one of David's brothers killed him. Another giant, the unknown giant. When you think about David, it's hard to picture a man overwhelmed. You think of a, of a child, even as a boy, he slew a lion and a bear. I'd have gone the other way from a snake, all right, let alone a lion and a bear. Defeating a lion and a bear, marching down when all of Israel trembled and killing Goliath with a, a sling and a rock. A man that the people would sing of, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. A man who God would use to give great victory to Israel, and yet here he was, overwhelmed. And he was overwhelmed even in what looked to others like an incredible victory. And yet what he felt in the victory was defeat. And yet he knew something. That it was in that place of prayer and praise that he found a God who was higher than him. I'm so thankful that we serve a God that is higher than our circumstances, higher than our struggles, higher than what we suppose to be defeats, that is above even our own failures, that in his mercy and his grace, he receives us back. Because there is no question that some of David's greatest defeats were a result of his own struggles and sin. We've got something common with David in that matter. 
Some of our greatest defeats are due to our own struggles. He was overwhelmed. Yet God answered in that prayer and praise, God worked. I I will tell you something. Seek out the Lord in prayer and praise because it's there that you will find a God who is higher than you are. Who is above the circumstance, above the struggle, and above the trial. He was the answer in between prayer and praise. We find the answer to an overwhelmed heart. We find the answer to an attacked heart. Verse 3. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from my enemy. Boy, David, as Absalom turned from him, had to know what it was like to be attacked. It was his friend and his acquaintance. It was his son. His counselors turned against him. His son turned against him. The nation, in many ways, turned against him. Oh, he still had a few friends, but David was a man who was under attack, who had to flee the throne and flee Jerusalem for his life. He was under attack. And yet as he faced the attack, he found something all the way along that the Lord was his protection. I'll remind you of scripture that the Bible says the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the who? The Lord. Safety is of the Lord. David was reminded in this place of prayer and praise where his protection truly came from. And it was God. It wasn't how many, I think of how Jonathan and his armor bearer marched out to face the Philistines. And as Jonathan looked over at his armor bearer, he said, by God, it can be, God can save whether it be by few or by many. God doesn't need a crowd. He is my protection. It was in that place of prayer and praise that David was reminded of who his protection was. Absalom would pursue him. The country would turn against him. His counselors would turn to the aid of Absalom. And yet David would find in this place of prayer and praise as he looked back, thank you, God, for your protection in my life. You ever been in prayer and been reminded of God, of what he has already done for you, his protection in your life? His protection. The way he's worked in your life, even when it seemed like you were working against you. I'm reminded of the verse where he said, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also what? Reap. You ever pray to God that you wouldn't reap what you sow? <laughs> Lord, please don't let me reap what I've sown. I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Forgive me, O oh God, please don't let me reap what I have sown in this one. Show your mercy and your grace in my life. David could look back in his life and see the protection of God in his life, even at times when maybe he wasn't seeking it. He found a refuge in that verse, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. David knew where to run when the enemy came for him. David knew where to run when the enemy came for him. He ran to prayer and praise of his God. Where do you run when the enemy's at the door? If we're not careful, it'll take the enemy at the door to make us run to the right place. But David found as he ran to the Lord in prayer and praise, he found that God had already been working in his life and was still working in his life. And in this place of prayer and praise, he found a God that was not only higher than the, and the over, when he was overwhelmed, he found a God that was higher than he was, but he found a God who was right there with him, protecting him all the way. Absalom lost from the very beginning. 
Absalom never realized what David knew when he faced Saul. David knew, touch not the Lord's anointed, God will deal with him. Absalom thought he could circumvent the will of God. God had called David, and he thought he could overthrow David. But in order to overthrow David, he had to overthrow God, and nobody is big enough to do that. Nobody. But in the place of prayer and praise, David was reminded of the protection of God. A heart that felt the attack. Ever been to that place where your heart feels the sting of arrows? Whether they were purposely directed our way from others or whether we supposedly put them in there where they were not intended to be, but but we feel the attacks around us and yet we find in a place of prayer and praise that God is the answer to it. God is the answer to it. Prayer and praise, it is there that we find the answer to an overwhelmed heart. It is there that we find an answer to an assaulted heart. It is there that we... Find an answer to a lonely heart. Look at verse 4. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. The word Selah means pause and think about it. It's like that pause in a song. Pause, think about what's been said. I will abide in the tabernacle, thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. David had to flee. David had to flee. David had to flee Jerusalem. He had to flee where the tabernacle was and... David enjoyed the presence of God, would often go to the tabernacle of God, and yet he had to leave all of that behind when he fled. He got up and went, and and Absalom came, the enemy came for him, and he had to flee, and he was far from where he wanted to be. And he longed to be in the tabernacle, and he said, I'm going to dwell there forever. The answer to a lonely heart. Boy, the devil loves to get us in an isolated place, doesn't he? You know, you can be lonely in the middle of a crowd. We can find ourselves in a place going through things and we look around them and say, there's no one else who has been here alone. A struggle in our life, things not going the way we wanted them to go. And next thing you know, a lonely heart. And I'll tell you something, a lonely heart is a, is a dangerous heart. If it doesn't run to the right place. A lonely heart not running to the right place will get you far from God. But notice David's statement. I will dwell in the tabernacle. I'll seek the place and I'll seek comfort before my God. I'm reminded in in Timothy 2 Timothy 4, 16 through 17, Paul would write to Timothy and he said at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may be laid to their charge, notwithstanding, or that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion. That Paul would say, look, he said at the first, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Notwithstanding, he would later say, the Lord stood with me. Well, how true that is. Who was with Daniel in the lion's den? The Lord. 
Who is with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace? The Lord. Who went down into the valley of Elah with David and his, and his five smooth stones in his sling? Well, God went down into the valley with him. Who was it who stood on Mount Carmel with Elijah? Well, God stood on Mount Carmel with Elijah. And yet, we often, we look around and the old devil gets to us a place where a lonely place. And here David knew something when he ran to God in prayer and praise. He found the answer to a lonely heart. I tell you, the only answer to a lonely heart is the Lord. If we're not careful, we're looking for it in all the wrong places. I will tell you this, everybody needs the closeness of the Lord. Everybody. The first relationship in everybody's life ought to be the relationship with God. We think oftentimes a relationship with another person will fix it, but I will tell you this, it won't. Only God. Only God. He is the answer to the lonely heart. He is the place that we should go. He is the one that we should seek. And uh, he, he is the answer to it. Here David is, and no doubt far, he's had to fled. His own, his own son seeks for his life. When he gives the command to his general who has stood with him through so many battles, don't kill my son, he kills his son. <laughs> As he looks back, no doubt wondering, what will the people of Israel do now? I know I've won a victory, but their hearts are still far from me. He looks back and he said, I yet I'll tell you where I will go and where I will spend my life forever. It is in the tabernacle and in the presence of an almighty God. He was the answer between prayer and praise. He found the answer to the lonely heart. He found the answer to the overwhelmed heart. He found the answer to an assaulted heart. He found the answer to a lonely heart. He found the answer to a questioning heart. Look at verses 5 and 6. He makes some statements of faith here. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. Boys, here he began to praise God for what God would do. The promises of God. No doubt as he looks back, he's not gone back yet to Jerusalem. Absalom dead. The victory run won. But I'm sure he is still wondering in his heart, what will the people do? What will the people do? A questioning heart. Supposedly the victory's won, at least the battle is won. The victory probably had a little ways to go. People's hearts still turned. Ever had that place where maybe it's a loved one, their heart has turned from you. Think of my, my children, and one of, the things, one of the verses I look to when in raising my children, it says, My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my what? My ways. If I will teach my children the right way, I must have their heart. Love. Love is spelled, not L-O-V-E, but T-I-M-E, right? As I spend time with them, I capture their heart, and it is as I have their heart that I have the opportunity to teach them the right way. David stood before a nation and their heart had turned from their king that God had given them. Will he be received back? There's times in our life we look and say with question marks over circumstances of life, how will it work out? Maybe you've won a victory, but there's still a whole lot more of them to go. There's questions. And yet in the middle of David's questions, he clung to the promise 
He clinged to the promise. He said this, For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. Lord, you're the one who's kept me. You're the one who's protected me. You're the one who anointed me. You're the one that set me on, my, on the throne. And it was there he was reminded of the promises of God that man does not have the ability in the grand scheme of things to circumvent the will of God. You have an individual choice for your life, but David knew this, that the people could do what they would, but God was on his side. If God be for us, who can be what? Against us. The promise of God. Somewhere between prayer and praise, he was reminded of the promises of God and found the answer to a heart that was questioning. Boy, God provides a lot of answers to questions in our time with him. The answers to questions are not found in our logic, but in our time with God. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be what? Given him. There are answers to certain questions that only come as you remain in the presence of God. Somewhere between prayer and praise, we find the promises and the answers of God. I'm convinced of this. The uncertainties of life are settled for us in our time with God. Think of the disciples out on that Sea of Galilee. The Lord had gone up to pray and then he sent them out to the sea. There they are in the center of God's will and at the same time in the center of a storm. They had obeyed God. He had sent them to the other side and there on the way over the sky grew dark and the wind blew hard and the storm came and they feared for their life in the middle of there. And yet someone came walking on the water. Someone came walking onto the water. The one who in his presence had the ability to say, peace be still. In his presence. I think this, the questions are answered in our time with God. Somewhere between prayer and praise. I believe this, if, you have, if you're not there in the presence of God, prepared to be filled with the questions rather than a heart that has found the answer against the overwhelming things of life, a heart that will be overwhelmed, a heart that will be lonely, a heart that will feel attacked. Yet God is the answer to all of those somewhere between prayer and praise. Lastly, we see this one. I'm going to get done early, maybe. The answer to a weakened heart. Look at verse 7. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth, which may what? Preserve him. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. Here David cling to the mercy and the truth of God. Aren't you thankful for the truth that we have the answer? But at the same time, aren't you thankful for the mercy of God? <laughs> David had the truth. But boy, I bet he was thankful for the mercy of God. Because David was far from a perfect man. God does not hide from us his faults and his failures. He didn't just tell us about Goliath. He didn't just tell us about his victories over the Philistines. He didn't just tell us of what an incredible king he was. He told us about Bathsheba, Uriah, Absalom, Amnon. He didn't hide the incredible failures that David experienced in his life. Mercy. 
and truth. I think of the incredible blessing of mercy and truth. By the way, the Bible says by mercy and truth, iniquity is what? Purged. Not by truth alone, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Remember when you were confronted with the truth of your condition before salvation? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the sorcerers and the whoremongers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. If that's all you got, what a horrible eternity is ahead. If all that we ever saw was the holiness of God, the justice of God, the judgment of God, what a scary place to be. The story didn't end there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The mercy of God. The grace of God. Here's David. Oh, Lord, the truth of my condition. I was lifted up in pride. I thought I could stay home when it was time for me to go to battle. As I stood home out of my place and my position, I fell into sin. He jumped into sin. And in his sin, he tried to cover it and hide it. And he murdered a man and lost a son. And the sword would never leave his home. Amnon would rape his sister, Tamar, and David wouldn't deal with it justly. And Absalom would kill his brother and flee. And David, no doubt, looking back on his sin, would not deal with things as appropriately as he should. And the truth of God was incredibly condemning. I'll tell you this. If you look back long enough at your past, the truth of God will be incredibly condemning. And if it's not, you're not looking hard enough. But if you look back, the truth of who you are will be incredibly condemning and convicting. David, as he spent time with God, also found the mercy of God. It was there he was reminded that God is merciful. God was merciful to him. God had shown grace upon him. In the middle of the mercy and the truth, God preserved him. He strengthened him. He equipped him. He sent him back to Jerusalem to finish out what God had called him to do. I tell you something, it is between prayer and praise that you find the mercy and truth of God, the strength to continue to go forward for God. It was in that place where where Paul would lift up his voice and three times would ask, Lord, remove this thorn from me. And the answer of God would be clear. No, Paul. But my grace is sufficient for thee. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul would lift his voice up in praise and say, then I will glory in mine infirmities. I'll worship him. It was in that place that he found the strengthening grace of God, the mercy and truth of God, that he might be preserved and continue to go forward for Christ. It's not changed. It is between prayer and praise that we find the strengthening grace hand 
of God. Now, maybe you're confronted with your faults. It's not a bad thing on occasion. But when you are, be confronted with the mercy of God as well. Confess and repent. The old account was settled what? Long ago. The old account was settled for me in May of 1995 at Madera Baptist Church. I knew something about myself. I was a sinner. And I was headed for an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. And yet even though he hated sin and loved holiness, he also loved me. And so he sent his son to die on the cross and rise again three days later. Not just for the sins of the world, but he had Seth Hahn on his mind as well. So that night, confronted with the truth, I turned to the mercy of God and came to know Christ as my Savior. The mercy and the truth of God. It is in that place of prayer and praise that we find that strengthening mercy and, and truth of God that to continues to carry us forward. David, overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Even the victory felt like a defeat. Even as he knew he had a victory, he could picture Absalom hanging from a tree with darts through his heart. Even as he knew he was returning to Jerusalem, he knew that it came at the cost of his own son's life. Overwhelmed. Felt like he was crying from the ends of the earth, hoping God could hear. Drowning in the depths of it. Yet he heard a God who was higher than he was. Who in being overwhelmed, reached down and pulled David out of it. Who when he felt attacked and assaulted, found a God who was his protection. Who when he felt lonely, knew something that if everybody else forsook him, that there was a God who would be there with him. That when his heart would doubt and wonder what moved forward, there was a God with the answers to the questions and the promises that came from his word. And he found a God who would preserve him and strengthen him in spite of who he was. The mercy and the truth of God. Somewhere between prayer and praise, he found these things. As he knelt down in prayer before God, as he praised God's name in that time with the Lord, he found the answer to all those things mentioned right here. My Bible tells me something, that God is the same yesterday, today, and for what? Ever. He's timeless, isn't he? He's not dated. He's not antiquated. He doesn't go in and out of fashion. The world may think so, but God doesn't. The scripture is a timeless word. Always appropriate, always relevant. And friend, the same thing that David found between prayer and praise is the same thing that you and I find between prayer and praise. Let's pray. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for the scripture. I thank you for the word of God. Thankful for this psalm, Psalm 61, that you give us a glimpse into the life of David and not just a glimpse into his life, but in seeing into his life, you gave us a glimpse of what you did for him. I'm thankful that you haven't changed, Lord. That you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You have for us what you had for him, the answer. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me just ask you this in your seat. How many of you could say, Preacher, it's, I know that I'm saved. In terms of my eternity, 
Maybe you're like me. I, I mentioned for me it was in May of 1995 at Madera Baptist Church. Maybe you not, may not remember the exact time and date, but you can look back and you can say, Preacher, I know that I'm saved. There's no question mark in terms of where I'll spend an eternity because I've put my trust in Him and I, I know He saved me. That's settled for me. Now, raise your hand if that's your testimony. testimony. Don't if it's not, but you say, Preacher, I know. Thank you. May put your hand down. Is there anybody here tonight say, Preacher, I'm not sure of that and I need the mercy of God? I have to be admit, like David, I can look back and my life is not perfect and I need the Lord and I want to know Him tonight. Preacher, would you pray for me? I'd like to put my trust in the Lord. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Is there anybody like that? Let me ask you this then, Christian. How many of you say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart that God does have the answer for it between prayer and praise, the presence of God at work in my life. Well, God has spoken in my heart this evening. If that's your testimony, would you raise your hand and would you stand with me as that pianist begins to play as God has spoken in your heart that a time of invitation is given. And why don't you take a moment and spend some time with him this evening as the pianist plays. (laughs) 